Hey, everybody, this week's R&R and R is brought to you by Crafting Kingdom and their Board Game Gear Essentials line. And now, it was about a year ago that I covered this, the Adventurer Board Game Bag. And folks, I love this thing so much. I held on to it. I said, no, I'm not sending it off to another channel for more coverage because this thing has been halfway across the continental United States with me and back. Jen and I, we use this on our trip down to Arizona and back. They're so versatile. There is so much storage, pockets for days, really fun designs. It comes with a lot of different customizable uh, colors and you know patterns you can get emblazoned on it. Again, pockets and pockets and pockets galore and so much variety. You can turn this thing into a backpack or an attache case, or an over-the-shoulder thing. I was really blown away, and we have found a lot of uses for it. But today, folks, I'm here for something new. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. It's time for the adventure bag Mark II. Boom! Here we go. Now, it's the same basic idea. Tons of pockets. Everything is padded all the way around, so all your precious games are kept safe inside. Um, again, with all the different hooks all over the place, so you can carry this any number of ways, including an exciting new way I'll get to in a minute. Also, it's still got this brilliant thing for people who are prone for wanting to use uh, player mats and bring them around. You can just strap them onto the side with these little things. Absolutely fantastic. And again, so much storage space. But let's actually look at some of the new features of this new version. Let's see here. There we go. Boop. First of all, they've actually completely changed the interior. It is now um, fleece lined, I believe, which means you don't have to worry about anything getting scratched up or whatnot. It's just extra protected inside. But more importantly, it then allows for these Velcro-based, uh, um, what do you call them, dividers. So you can uh, mix and match things, have small things in one space, big things in another space. It's really, really smart. A big, big improvement. While still, more and more space. Folks, um, there's a link up in the top right corner of the screen or a link down in the show notes if you want to watch my run-through where I pulled out a convention's worth of games in one of these bags. That hasn't changed at all. It's just the quality of it has changed significantly um, with that new interior lining and the dividers for folks who like to keep things organized. But that's only half of what's new here. What else is exciting? Well, here's the deal, folks. If you're like me, you're going to be inclined to stuff this thing so full of games that, yeah, even though it's got all these comfortable straps all over the place... Had to go grab them. They're nice and padded and, again, give you so much flexibility. What's really cool about this, I've never seen this in another board game back in another bag, period. There is an additional accessory you can get. You can turn this thing into luggage. You can get this separately. Um, and, you know, it comes with five wheels. Really solid and sturdy. Very easy to just lift the arm up like this. And uh, when you're done with it, you just lift these up and it flips back down. But anyway, flip it up. It locks into place. And here's the deal. Oh, so smooth. So silky smooth. On the back of the bag, there are Velcro linings on the top and the bottom that turn this into a gigantic strap that can just very easily slip right over this and turn a standalone bag into an easy-to-move-around uh, piece of luggage with you know, your typical extended thing. I'm going ahead and give you a different angle as I try to put this thing together for you. Um, boop. Hey, here we are. Alrighty, so, hi. Let's try this. Okay, we just basically take it. Use the, uh, you know, lift up that, slip it over, and boom. Reach in on the top. Ta-da! Look at this. 
This is so cool. It just, and you know, that really high quality wheels that just move around really nice. This is not one of those squeaky wheel type uh, pieces of luggage that you might have been embarrassed by moving through the airport and whatnot. This is a really, really big upgrade, a real game changer, quite frankly, in the world of board game bags. And it's going to be crowdfunding this month. So if you want to check it out, there's a link for it down in the show notes. And by the way, folks, it's not just the new Mark II adventure bag with all of these extra features. They're bringing back the player mats with LED strips. Alexa, lights off. I love this thing. You can see, where's the button? Where's my button? There we go. So you can uh, cycle between the different colors, uh, the Tron color particularly striking, or you can have a little laser light show around your uh, uh, board or your table if you want. Um, yeah. So I've been using this thing since last year. You see it in every one of my videos. It has held up. Alexa, lights on. I have had Alexa, lights on. I'm telling you, I have had version or you know other player mats because you know I tend to go with this all black. That over time you start getting scuffs and whatnot. This thing has been used and abused for a year, and it still is making no marks. A very very high quality mat with all kinds of different um, you know colors and designs and sizes to meet your needs. So this is available for crowdfunding again. But more importantly, so is this big bad boy, and uh, they're all available for you right now, folks. Uh, like I said, links are down in the show notes if you would like to know more. And uh, that is it. And so now, on with the show. Wow, that was incredible. Uh, folks, welcome to the r and r show. Welcome my name is Real Gaviola, and uh, joined today, as always, by my co-host, Chris George. Right. Chris, how the heck are you, friend? Hi, how's it going? This is a great start to the show. I'm like... My, I had to pick my jaw up off the floor, like right. just seeing those. They, those look really freaking cool. Yeah. The, and and the, and the storytelling that Richard brought forward and being like, "Well, wait, there is more. Check this out. Check this out." I was like, "I never want this channel to end." I forgot that we were doing a show. Like that. That is the mindset that I'm in right now. I'm like, yeah. "What in the heck and heck?" That looks really cool. So. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the show. Welcome to the R and R and R and Varn show. That's right, because we got our special guest, Peter Vaughn from Cardboard Alchemy. I guess I could have said card. Yeah. That's what I should have done. Anyway, welcome. Welcome, Peter. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. Uh, folks, Cardboard Alchemy, as you know, the a big hit Flamecraft. Um, and also we've got a game coming, they've got a game coming up real soon on uh, Kickstarter. Peter, you want to give a quick pitch for what's coming soon? Sure. On October 24th, it's Critter Kitchen, which is a very fun game. Designers uh, Alex Cutler, Peter C. Hayward, and the artist from Flamecraft, Sundara Tang, is joining us. It's a world where <clears throat> animals are running their own restaurants. You have a restaurant. You're trying to send your chefs out, big, small, and medium chefs, to grab ingredients and impress a celebrity critic coming at the end of the game. They want a seven-course meal from your restaurant. So it is a lot of fun as you plan out where you're going to go and then find out how many, you know, whether you can get what you want or you got to, you know, find different things to do. Um, yeah, we're having a lot of fun with it. So yeah. Critter Kitchen is coming up next. Cannot <clears> wait. <throat> yeah. So October 24th, folks, be sure to hit the um, links below in the show notes for more information. Also, click on the links below to find the extended edition of the r and show. We actually talked to Peter for a while, got to know him better. We talked all kinds of fun stuff. So be sure to click that because... Not only do you get the pre-show, you also get the post-show. And what we're doing today are the top 12 most innovative worker placement games. We're going to share 12. Uh, Peter's got some. Chris's got some. I've got some. And Richard's got some as well. And then afterwards, again, just in the extended edition, you're going to be able to hear more choices that uh, didn't make the cut. So having said that, why don't we jump right into it? We're going to start with number 12. And uh, Peter, we're gonna. You're the guest. You get the honors, my friend. All you're right. gonna go first with the game of your choice, number twelve. I'm excited. Uh, first of all, I just gonna say I love the worker placement category and the way that this sort of started too, is that uh, Rada was talking about how uh, Flamecraft has a, a little bit of worker placement to it, and also Critter Kitchen has a little bit of worker placement to it. So what what do I find innovative about worker placement? One of the things that I think is great is when workers 
can change or be different from the other workers. I, I, I don't want just 12 of the same worker. So there's this great game called Chimera Station, which is developed by Mark Manger, um, uh, d- designed by Mark Manger. He's so uh, clever, and he has this idea where you're on the space station and you can grab claws or tentacles or a big brain, and you can decide that your worker is going to be different. The way that you, um, you know, you can, if you get the plant, arms you don't have to feed yourself you know that whole feeding your workers thing you can get that out of the way but or you can be more efficient with another type you can focus your workers in one way or make everyone diverse and i think that's that's one of the aspects i think that makes chimera station so great but the other one to me is also somewhat of the expandable board so you don't start with very many locations and by the end because i actually uh, worked a lot with mark and it used to be seven rounds and he had to cut it to five because you're exponential choices when you get to round five are already like so many possibilities so i think it's really innovative for just the the breadth and options that it brings to worker placement Mm -hmm. i love those unique workers especially yeah it's it's been a while since i've played this i played this many years ago and i really do and now we're watching uh richard play he's got legos on there obviously this is an early prototype (laughs) of the game i'll never forget the it's like little like space creatures right they're super cute yeah uh the workers and yeah it's been a while since i've played but i do remember liking it a lot i don't know why I, i think the, uh, my friend who had the copy that would go to game night, he stopped coming to game night. Um, I think he moved away or whatever. So he took away our copy that we used to play. So unfortunately, oh. I haven't been able to play it yet. But I do remember how much I enjoyed this uh, game, Chimera Station. Cool. Yeah, yeah. there's definitely a lot of uh, just a lot of fun in that one. Mm-hmm. I remember Rado's view, uh, videos like about 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's kind of awesome <laughs> to see that, you know. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, we we can we can place the date by the by the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at this camera just all over the place, right? <laughs> Great choice for number twelve. All right, so uh, that was number twelve on our list. Uh, let's cool. move on to Chris. What you got for us, friend? It's me. Yes. Okay. Uh, my our our collective number eleven is is a game that I I'm really happy to bring to this list because it's my only like maybe hidden more hidden gem. The other ones are are much more popular. Um, but this is one that I find uses workers in a number of innovative ways, and I'll describe it when we get maybe a video up there. It's a game called Spirium. Uh, mm. Spirium is it's on Board Game Arena for those of you who want to try it out. Uh, oh, Spirium, you will have six rounds of this sort of three by three card grid, and everybody's going to have a number of little meeples that they can put in between the spaces of the cards. So you're not putting them on the cards themselves. You're putting them in between the spaces. That's innovation number one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also it has that same, uh, that flow of you You have you have one stage. You can be in the first stage or you can be in the second stage. And so in the first stage, you can place workers. In the second stage, you can only retrieve workers. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have to time out, do I really want this card? Because people can go in the same little area. People can go in the same uh, gap in between the the cards, and, and if they do, they actually make that card much more difficult to use. Uh, so you can, when you're taking back your workers, you have to pay an additional like dollar for each other worker that's kind of contesting it. But you maybe will want that card specifically, and you'll want to pull it back. In addition, you can also pull back your worker. You can put it around a spot where people are going to contend for it, and you can pull back your worker just for money. And so you would get money for all the people that are around that specific card. You pick a card and you're like, okay, all these, I'm getting money. So there's a really cool flow of, do I use my workers to kind of expand my own tableau? Or do I use my workers to build up my bank? Uh, And then in addition, how many workers do I keep back, both for accelerating my process of, of getting the cards that I want and for activating my own buildings, because you also need to save workers for activating your own buildings and like you converting Spirium into points and stuff. It's it's like a, so multi-use in terms of workers that uh, I find I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's really exciting, and I don't hear a lot of people talk about this at all. But I just I just find the applications of how those workers are moved and manipulated and the strategic positioning. I really like this at two players. Because you can really, you can really choose uh, what what you're going to fight for and how many workers you're going to drop. Because each worker that you drop also increases the cost for somebody else, or, or increases money for you. And then just finding that flow is uh, 
is is really I, I find really neat. So there's a number of different cards out there. There's like buildings you can add, or they're like one-time use abilities. Uh, those are the the brown ones, and then there's like patents which you can use to just give yourself like your own permanent abilities as well. Wow, uh, that that apply for the rest of the game. It's really solid. Uh, I I'd recommend trying it out on Board Game Arena because it's on there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I I just. Uh, the more I talk about it, and the more I was thinking about it, I was like, "Oh, geez, should this have been number one? I don't know, or my, like my personal number one." But uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with it making the list for sure. And so that is the game Spirium. That's a great choice. I've never played this game, Chris, but just based on your mm. description, I'm I really want to try it. And maybe we can play a game on Board Game Arena because I would love to yeah. ch- check this out. Um, just the fact that I mean it is innovative like I've never seen a worker placement game where you're putting workers between cards you know rather than on top and I thought that's really fascinating it almost reminds me of another worker placement game Targi where I mean you actually oh, yeah. put the workers on the cards but then you're like sort of lining up the grids and then that's wherever those line up that's where you take the yeah. action so Tar- Targi is great that'd be a definite yeah I yeah. love Targi but Spirium oh, I, this I so thought cool. you might put Targi on your list Ruel, yeah I know you love it so much I, it was it was a really tough one for me to this, this list I love worker placement games so this list was tough um question is Spirium still in print or is can you only play it on BGA um, I don't know. I got my copy secondhand uh, okay. because a, a buddy of mine had a copy, and then I saw it on Kijiji, and I was like, "Yeah, I, I want one too." Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I'm not sure as to the print status, to be honest with you. And I should have looked that up beforehand. But uh, yeah, no worries. Um, I'll look that up yeah. at some point. Great and write choice. it in the comments, maybe. <laughs> so, um, Sparium, very nice. Yeah, now I'm, I'm, I mean, there are so many games we could have put on this list, and it was really tough for me personally to oh, yeah. narrow it down, but. Um, for our next one, our shared uh, list here, number 10 on our shared list. For me, this one had to be on here because this is probably my wife Michelle's favorite uh, worker placement game. And um, I was she wasn't really into worker placement. And I was so surprised when she really liked this game that I'm going to talk about number 10. It is Raiders of the North Sea. Now, mm-hmm. typically, nice. yeah, this theme, Michelle's not into Vikings and going out on rampages and doing all the things Vikings do. And... She'd like some uh, work placement like Stone Age, but I feel like this is a really cool um, entry level or introductory game. And what I liked about this the most, and I feel like this is probably, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like this is the game that sort of put Shem Phillips on the map, right? He had done a few things before, shipwrights of North Sea and whatnot, but Raiders, really, that whole, it's a very simple twist on worker placement. You place a worker, then you take one off. So you place a worker, do that action. Then from another spot, you take the worker off and do that action. And just that simple twist, it was really cool. And I remember my friends, and I really loved that. And the different workers they have, they're stronger. You know, we, we're talking about different levels of workers. So I think, I don't know if it's the white ones that are stronger, so the black ones that are also gray ones. But it depends on where you go. So you obviously start off on the lower um, level workers turn in resources, get those workers. And then when you have enough resources and the right type of worker, you can go to a higher level and like, you know, pillage of pillage a village or whatever it is. Really cool design, very clever. Um, and again, it's a great entry level game, but you add the expansions and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, Chef Phillips is not messing around anymore. You add these, some of these expansions, it really, you know, adds to the depth of the game. I really enjoyed that. Now he went on to, you know, continue, uh, all kinds of worker placement. And I don't, you know, I it, it was, I had to go with Raiders of the North Sea just because it, I played it the most of all of them. But stuff like Architects mm-hmm. of the West Kingdom, I really love. Paladins of the West Kingdom. That one made my brain explode, but in a good way. It was really, you know, it was a deeper game, but I really enjoyed it. But for me, Raiders of the North Sea, it's always going to have a special place in my heart. That's why it's our number 10 on the list, Raiders of the North Sea. Yeah, great pick. great pick. I feel like I feel like anything from Shem Phillips could could be on this list, honestly. Like I feel I feel his <clears throat> modus operandi in designing games is kind of like let's do worker placement but with a twist on it. Oh yeah. And that's kind <laughs> of that's kind of the subject of this list, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, in terms of architect the cascading workers there mm-hmm. um yeah. and then and then paladins the sort of like tableau building or yep. viscounts where you have your one like main one going around yeah the rondell uh, yeah. i think i think i got those yeah that's i always get the two names confused i always get the names confused but yeah. um i always yeah, i could pick. never figure out how to say viscounts i thought it was viscounts like discounts but apparently mm. it's viscounts <laughs> so <laughs> um peter when you're you know when you're um looking at these games i mean are there 
just the different twists on a worker placement. Do you sort of like put that, uh, you know, file these away as you're looking, you know, to, as in future designs, like, hey, maybe I'll come back and do a twist on the twist or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think that like um, when at one point I was signing uh, Rise of Tribes, which was by Brad Brooks, and it had a twist on that play. That wasn't worker placement, but it had this dice twist where you were using, um, you had two dice and you had to push into a dice row. And I definitely think that you are looking for those games that have something different because we've seen a lot of the same thing. And um, I think that's why you see a lot of hybrids now where it's worker placement and something else because it's a way to freshen it up. Um, but yeah, I love all the Shem Phillips uh, ways of twisting it for sure. Agreed. Okay, mm -hmm. let's see what Richard's got for us via the magic video. Richard, take it away. Hey guys, hey Peter, welcome to the party, pal. And oh, good choices so far. Uh, you know, a Chimera Station, Spirium, Chris, Peter. Let me tell you why I agree with you so much. This is actually the third time I have attempted a list like this on the channel. Back in 2014, I did my first top 10 worker placement games, which was me focusing on innovation above all else and coming up with new ideas. Then I revisited the list in 2019 because there was so much more to talk about. And now here we are in 2023 and Peter, I don't know, maybe you can talk about this as a developer yourself, known for innovative worker placement. But the thing is, I would think, seeing as how worker placement is maybe the most common, most ubiquitous mechanism in modern designer Euro-style games, it's everywhere. I would think over time, you folks would start running out of ideas and it would get tougher and tougher to reinvent. But if anything, it has become harder to make this list every time, not because I'm having a harder time finding new ideas, but because there are so many ideas and I have to limit myself, list style. And anyway, Chimera Station and Spirium, they both made my earlier lists. I think they're both phenomenal awesome examples of how uh, you know what started out with bus has grown and uh, flourished. But also, Ruel, I was shocked. I went back and looked, and somehow Raiders of the North Sea did not make either of my previous lists. Maybe it was a timing thing. I have to go back and look at that. But I am embarrassed because that's an obvious choice. I mean, the thing won the Kennerspiel based on its incredibly innovative approach to worker placement. So yes, of course, it belongs on the list too. So good choice. Anyway, though, folks... I'm going to tell you number nine on our list, but I just have to say this was so hard. This was so hard. My number four, my personal number four out of... I, I've made a top ten, right? I'm only going to tell you my three. Number nine, number five, and number one on this list are my personal top three. That's how... That's our format here on the show. But... Uh, in case Ruel or anybody the other guys haven't mentioned yet, there is an extended version of this episode. There's a link for it down in the show notes. I'll put it right next to the links to my earlier top 10 worker placement countdowns. I would suggest pausing right now, switching over to the extended edition of this show, because after we're done with this top 12 countdown, I'm going to give you my full new top 10 for 2023. I've got, in addition to the three I'm about to talk about, I've got seven other amazing titles. And it broke my heart that I could not talk about them here in the main video. So definitely check out the extended. Or, hey, if you just want to watch this, listen to it. All of the R&R&Rs make it onto the Rotto um, uh, Talks Through podcast channel, which you can listen to on any podcast platform you want. So you can check out the extended edition there, where the guys will have also talked about behind-the-scenes stuff. And anyway, though, all right. I've... Uh, I've uh, pontificated long enough. Let's just get to what you want to hear. Number nine on my list. Oh, this is so hard. And I've, oh, but anyway, it's come together. And this game is phenomenal. I mean, there it is, right behind my head. Uh, you know, and I, 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 I love this game so much. I love the theme about trying to set up a Woodstock-esque Summer of Love major music festival, uh, you know, the presentation, the humor that's here, but all of that pales in comparison to how amazing the worker placement is. Because uh, you send your workers, which are kind of uh, roadies and whatnot, out to do one of four actions. 
um, you know, building the stages, uh, you know, building the campgrounds for the attendees, uh, you know, bringing people in, all this kind of stuff. And wherever you send your worker out to one of these four different actions, you get some immediate benefit. But it's a small benefit. The main reason you send your workers out to these different areas is because you want to do one of the big four actions. The problem is, the big four actions will not activate until enough workers have been sent to that location. And so once I send my worker to a location, suddenly everybody else is drawn towards that location. Because once enough workers are there, boom, the massive major action will activate. So even though this is a competitive game, players are really kind of collaborating in a lot of ways. Um, Because if I send my worker out there and then nobody else goes there, my worker is stuck there for quite a while and I'm waiting for it to come back. So if nobody else is going to go to action, then I got to send more workers to supplement that original worker until such time as everybody is going to be coming uh, home. And But again, the more workers go to in a given area, the more everybody wants to go there because they just want to ride on the coattails of the work that everyone else has done. The game is brilliant. Again, super thematically strong, uh, really wonderful presentation, but the worker placement in this game is absolutely phenomenal. I love it to pieces. It's number nine on our combined list. Come together and... The song is now stuck in my head. Hopefully it is for you, too. I'll get right back to you guys. Come together right now. Yeah, it's going to be stuck in my head all day. Probably all week. Thank you, Richard. Um, This is a game that I've been dying to play ever since Richard mentioned on the show a while ago. Because it looks really cool. I I enjoy the theme. You know, the worker placement seems interesting. But I've not been able to track down a copy. I don't know if it's still in print or whatnot. Um... Have you guys been able to play it or see it or no? Yeah, I haven't seen it at all, but now I'm interested, so I'll be on the, on yeah. the hunt myself. So yeah. yeah, when what year was it? Do you know, Ruel, or it, like when did you? When did Richard talk about it? I it, guess. it was pretty recently. Let me. Uh, I'll check on BGG real quick. I All we don't... have to do is get it off of his shelf. It's a piece of cake. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, hey, yeah. Richard. There's one spot where we know it is in stock. <laughs> yeah, and that is at his house. Exactly. So let's make it, was, it happen. It was just last year, 2022, and I know he really he thought very highly of it, as you can see in this little. Uh, review there but yeah a game that we need to need to try for sure i i love everything that he talked about and it's just availability folks it's it's tough to uh track down some of these games unfortunately uh, but anyways good choice richard let's get back to our guest uh peter you're gonna bring us up to a number nine yeah, it's uh, Zulkin the Mayan Calendar, nice. which is nice. a game that definitely broke my brain the first time I saw it yeah I don't even know, as a developer and a designer myself, I was looking at that design saying, how did they think of all these moving parts? How did they put that all together? But the main thing that it does for worker placement is it has a time element. The uh, The time element is, you know, you're taking a worker placement spot, but you get to choose when you're going to take that worker off so that you can, you know, go for a bigger payout. That certainly is innovative to me. The other part of that, though, that I think is really innovative is the going out and coming back portion because you can, you can, you're, you're granted you're paying for your your workers' uh, time to go out, but you can kind of do a burst where you say I'm going to put a bunch of people out, or I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save my food. So there's there's both the amount, the speed at which you want to go, and also the speed at which you want to pull back. And I think that time dimension to Zulkin is it's really fascinating. Um, uh, it's a great game. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And I'm looking at the, uh, you know, Richard, this is obviously an older video of his probably when he's still in Malta, yeah. but, um, every single person I know that owns this game, they painted the gears. Like it's just a thing <laughs> that they do, I guess. Like, I was like, I don't have a copy. I've always, you know, it's always been friends that have it. Yeah. Every single one of them is painted. I, I think it just, it always looks beautiful to me. I, I think it's great. Yeah, I've seen yeah. some great paint jobs out of here. This is just such a phenomenal choice. This was on my honorable mentions. Yep. Um, this this was something that I thought of when I was like innovative worker placement. Oh yeah, Sulkin's yeah. like gotta be on here in some capacity, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's just the, the that idea of waiting and like and letting the time tick tick by and the flow at which you can put things back and forth and the interaction between the different people. It's so cool. It's such a cool yeah. game. Yeah. I Have figured... you played uh, the expansion at all, either of you? No. Because it adds in like asymmetric um, 
asymmetric like powers just to start. Oh, now we're talking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. <laughs> better now. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't played it either. I got it. I got it off uh, off Kijiji again. Somebody was selling it, and I was like, I love Sulkin so much. I don't ever see it like leaving the collection. Yeah. I'm like, I gotta get this in and play it. But like, even just the base game is so so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I figured a lot uh, one of us would put this on the list, so I'm gra- glad that uh, Peter uh, added this uh, to the list. Great game. Um, let's uh, move on. Uh, Chris, you've got uh, the next one on the list. I believe this is number seven? Yes. Uh, number, yeah, number seven. That's yeah. right. That's okay. right. I thought it was number eight, but it's not. I'm still living in Sulkin world. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, uh, before we do move on, I, I do want to ask uh, Peter if you had any thoughts of, of what Richard was saying in terms of, like, from a design standpoint, uh, the innovation yeah. That's the, that happens in the consistent innovation, especially in the worker placement space. I feel like we may have talked a little bit in the pre-show, but yeah. if we had anything to add on that thought. I ran a uh, blog actually called the League of Game Makers, where people we would write articles about design and development and, and crowdfunding and publishing. And Luke Laurie, who was one of the authors of of that, he wrote a lot of worker placement segments. They're still on the League of Game Makers. Cool. He, he did this whole deep dive into worker placement. And one one of my favorite ones is he said, here is a list of innovations in worker placement. You can go ahead and steal these. Take any one you want. But you have to, if you take one, you have to leave one. And so that entire blog is just full of people going like, here's here's a crazy idea. And then I'm going to take this one. And someone else is going, here's another crazy idea. So, so that one, wow. uh, it made me think of his comment. There are just so many ways we can keep building on right. this. Mechanism. That's great. I love that. Take yeah. one, cool. uh, leave one. That's perfect. <laughs> um, all right. Great. Um, Thank you for that, Peter. Uh, Chris, take yeah. it away. Yeah. So, so my number, our collective number seven is uh, sort of what I think is uh, somebody a design team fixing, not fixing the problem, but getting the idea of dice worker placement, just like perfection, bang on right. Uh, That is the team behind Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Uh, I want to put Lorenzo Il Magnifico uh, in terms of here, uh, because I found, and maybe other games have done this, but I I love the concept of of dice worker placement. I love the concept of different strengths of workers. I think that's so cool. Uh, and I love that that's going to be in in Critter Kitchen, right? Like, that's what gets me fired up about it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but I always find with the idea of dice worker placement is, well, what if somebody just rolls better? You know what I mean? What if somebody just, like, has a good round and somebody has a bad round? And I think this is so cool in terms of it gets all that lovely decision-making space of the dice worker placement. It gives you that that variability, that randomness, but it applies the dice to everybody's worker. So everybody is a black worker, a white worker, and an orange worker, and there's going to be a numerical value assigned to each one every round, but you don't know what that numerical value is. And, and I think that idea just makes the game so replayable uh, because of how the cards come out. It doesn't matter that you use the same cards. Uh, I, I find so many games are obsessed with the idea of, of replayability. And Lorenzo has like a small expansion and a larger expansion too, but the small expansion where uh, it, it mixes up the cards that can come out because it has a set sort of fixed card market. You'll see the same cards every game, but you'll see them in a different order. And because of the dice worker placement, I rarely play with like mixing them up because I, I'm like, eh, the added setup, sure, doesn't it, it doesn't matter because the, the dice give me that replayability and, and give me that variability. And, and that's what I found to be so really cool about this game and, and the idea of applying the dice to everybody. In addition, I like, I always call, uh, this isn't in the rule book, but I, this is how I teach it, is you have your non-colored pawn, uh, so it's a zero-value pawn, and it doesn't have a color in it, and uh, it's clearly the the bastard of the family. You know, it can go <laughs> into the towers with the other colors because they're not threatened by it. That's, there's a weird rule that, like, you can put it in a yeah. tower as long as it's not with another family member, but this one pawn can go wherever it wants. I'm like, yeah, because it isn't vying for the throne. It can't get that sort of, like, regal status. Uh, it can go wherever it wants. And so I was just incorporating that into my teaching of it, and it just makes, like, thematic <laughs> sense. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I really, really, really love this game a ton. And I, I just love how the, how the dice are used and the effect that it has on the replayability and the gameplay. Yeah, great choice, and I love that you call it the bastard, the AKA the the John Snow of the John Snow, uh, yeah, yeah. John Snow of the, of the family. family. 
Yeah. I, I love this game, Chris. I'm so glad you put it on here. I actually have thoughts on Dice Worker Placement. But folks, did you know we do an extended version of this show? Click on the link below to hear more <laughs> games that didn't make the list, and you can hear my thoughts on some Dice Worker Placement games. Oh, Dice well. Worker Placement's great. It's so Thank good. Thank you for yeah. putting it on the list. Yeah. yeah. It's really, yeah. for me, personally, it's the melding of, of two of my favorite mechanisms, worker placement and dice rolling. You know, I love chucking dice, but then you throw it in this, like, uh, El Magnifico. Oh, Chef's Kiss. Yeah. So, so good. I haven't played with the expansions, though, so it's interesting. I, I want to give that a, a shot, Chris. I have not had a chance to play with the expansions. Yeah, I just have that mini expansion. I don't have, like, the Towers expansion, and now yeah. I think they all come bundled together. There's, like, the, the Lorenzo big box. Oh, I yeah. just kind of put them all together. Uh, I, I like what the uh, bigger expansion can offer in terms of you get you can bid on advantages at the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. and there's, like, another... There's a fifth tower with some more cards and stuff. I'm like, that's always fun. But the the, the small expansion, I was super happy to get. I think it was, like, a little Kickstarter thing. And the, the cards and the what they do are really fun, but... I just never feel the need to implement them because it just yeah. adds a little to the setup time. And I would rather keep the setup time short, have it already set up out of the gate. And then also it's a little bit meaner too. So depending on who you're playing with, I, I like I like setting up my games when I'm done with them so that when I pull them off the shelf, they're like pretty much ready to go. So any shuffling or any like setup that with dealing out cards, I try to do that beforehand. Mm-hmm. And so not knowing if I'm going to play with people who are okay with that meanness or don't want it, I just tend to, to leave it out. And I've never really missed it, even though I think it adds like a lot of fun uh, variability. I'm like, man, this game is just so good on its own. It, it, it doesn't need it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. But great choice uh, for our, our continued list here. Um, I'm going to move on to our number six, which is me. Uh, this game, again, it was so tough to narrow down what I wanted to uh, add to uh, the list here. And I had to add this one because I played it a lot. And y'all know I'm a solo gamer, and I appreciate a good solo game. And I thought this was a fun one solo, but it, it does shine multiplayer. But this is The Lost Runes of Arnak. Um, this oh, a game that yes. came out a couple of years ago. What this does, innovation, again, it's really simple. All it takes is it fuses deck building with worker placement. It slams those two together, and it works really well. I love that you only have two workers in this game. And um, you go along there, you're going to go to different areas, and you're going to you know, try to get resources. You're going to go up a, a track, uh, the science track, I believe it's called, and hopefully find all the great treasures and whatnot. It, it's... The theme doesn't, it's not my favorite theme, but at the same time, I think it works uh, for uh, this type of game. And I just, I something about deck building, guys, like, I like deck building a lot, but I like it even more when it's part of a, like, a, uh, a bigger board game. So something like Clank. I like the work, you know, I like, uh, like, a dungeon crawl slash deck builder. Something like Trains, basically Ticket to Ride meets Dominion. Or another great one that I always, I think it's uh, totally underrated, and I totally forgot the name of the game. It's the Dungeons & Dragons one that does area control and... Um, Lords uh, of Waterdeep. Deck building. I'm sorry? Lords of Waterdeep? No, no, that's not it. No. I lie. Oh, it, Tyrants of the Underdark. There it is. Tyrants of yeah. the Underdark. Basically, I'm blood, in worker placement mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total, like, blood rage meets... Um, uh, well, not... Hold on. Now I'm thinking deck building. Anyways, I'm talking too much about deck building. This is worker placement, <laughs> folks. What it does is, oh, and the, the reason why I'm excited because they took worker placement and fused deck building to it, and um, I just thought it was really well done. It's another type of those, another type of game that I like. Where hey, the rules are really pretty easy to grok, and you're gonna jump right into the game. And uh, any gamer that knows deck building and worker placement, they'll be able to jump right into it. As far as a new gamer. I think there's a little of things that you, you'll need to explain. Just the whole deck building uh, mechanism, right? It's like, hey, you're drawing five cards at a time. These are going to go away. But what I really like about this, too, is there are certain cards that you can buy that go right to the top of your deck. So it's not like you have to wait a cycle through your cards to finally get to that good card that you just bought. No, it can go right on top of your deck uh, depending on uh, you know the timing that, or the uh, deck that you buy. it. I, I forget if it's Relics or I forget the name and um, the actual term. But... Anyways, such a good game, and the solo implementation super easy. They just uh, turn a uh, make an AI out of like little action tiles. So I think it's like ten. You shuffle them up, turn over the action. And you're you're trying to uh, defeat the AI, but so so good. I really enjoy this. I should mention the the first expansion, the leaders expansion. I feel like it's a must have because. 
Peter, you'll be glad to know it has know, asymmetric yeah. powers. Yeah. So now it was a, it was an insta buy. I was like, <laughs> yeah. going, I love, yeah. I love Arnak as it is. Yep. You know, I was going to make my list. I think I was trying to figure out if the tightness of workers could be a part of its innovation. It's it's super. Yeah. You have to really think about how to stretch two people mm-hmm. yeah. across an entire set of turns. Totally. You know? Yeah. And it, it's, oh. oh, that that's a good point. Like, you know, I remember the first worker placement game I ever played was Stone Age. It's like, you know, by the end of the game, I've got 10 workers. They can do all kinds of stuff. But here, <laughs> yeah. no, you've got two the entire time. It's like, oh, I'm, you know, I need to get build my deck where I can get those extra actions and whatnot. And, of course, with yeah. Leaders expansion, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, asymmetric Yeah, those, that breaks it open great. a little bit. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. So that is our number six, folks, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Um, let's, uh, oh, oh, sorry, uh, Chris, got any thoughts on that or are, are we good? No, I mean, like, Lost Ruins is, um, I mean, it's so solid. What made you pick Lost Ruins over Dune Imperium? I know those two are often compared. I have my own gripes with how often they are compared yeah. because I feel like they shouldn't be compared that often because mechanically it's just because they both have deck building and worker placement, but they yeah. feel so different to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering uh, if there was any sort of uh, back and forth with that. Yeah, that's uh, a, that's a great question. So I got a super simple answer. I still have not played Dune Imperium, believe it or not. Oh, well, yeah, there you wow. go. Pretty there simple answer. <laughs> and it's funny because I know I like the theme better in Dune Imperium, and I know it's got mm-hmm. work replacement and deck building. But, for again, one of those uh, things where people in my game group, for whatever reason, didn't pick it up, and then it was right. it was sold out for a little while. But I know that they've got plenty of stock now. So um, hopefully I'll, I'll get a copy soon, and I'll get back to you on that one, Chris. <laughs> all right that's Let's, a pretty good answer yeah there you go let's uh, see what richard's got for us at number five. Oh yeah this is a list excellent choices again peter zolkin obviously one of the all-time greats just as a game but also as an innovative worker placement nobody has come close although there have been other games since then that do equally interesting ideas of the passage of time tied to your workers. But yeah, Zolkin, oh man, those gears, love it. I still need to get somebody to paint all my gears. I've seen such awesome pictures on Borgen Geek. And Chris and Will, both excellent choices. Uh, Chris, Lorenzo made my short list the second time. I had just missed it. But yeah, I'm glad you talked about it because it totally deserves mention on this list. And well, Lost Ruins of Arnak, yeah. Uh, worker placement fused with, um, whatchamacallit, uh, deck building. Uh, of course, there are actually, I think, three games that are effectively tied for this. It wouldn't have been my choice. Again, folks, check out the extended edition of this show to see where I disagree with Ruel because instead of Ruin of Arnak, it should have been a different fusion of deck building and uh, worker placement that gets makes on this shortlist. But regardless, let's move on now uh, to number five on the list. Oh my goodness. Uh, from a brand new designer. I believe this is the newest game of everything on the list you're hearing today. What is it? It is Barcelona from Danny Garcia. Watch this guy, folks. Uh, actually, I thought seriously about his other game that got published this year, Arborea, but it really does owe too much to Zulkin the Mind Calendar and the whole passage of time with the way it does worker placement, but it so builds on Zulkin. But regardless, I'm not here to talk about Arborea. The list is so long. There are so many. What am I what makes Barcelona a game about you know building Barcelona up into the metropolis it is today, uh, with the idea of uh, modern urbanization and a whole new way of designing cities that was uh premiered here. Anyway, why is this interesting? Well, uh, there's two things. One is, this is definitely not the first game that does the idea of, hey, when I put a worker out on the board, I triangulate the row and the column that they're in and activate multiple actions. I believe I've seen other games do that, although it is very cool here, especially because there's a third, there's a diagonal axis too. But that's not what makes this game special. When you send um, these citizen tokens that represent your workers out to these intersections uh, in the city of Barcelona and you get to activate whatever powers at the row and column that, you know, that centered on where you activate it. That's all cool, and it's all about you know getting the resources you need to build buildings and uh, you know invest in all kinds of fun stuff and you know achieve objectives. But what really makes this interesting, folks, is the workers don't belong to us. Once I put my worker or you know the citizen out on the board, they stay there. They create. They become the foundational building blocks of the city because wherever I put those citizens, that becomes a, a the citizens demanding 
housing, demanding we need a building built right where we are. And over time, as more and more players send their workers out to activate whatever powers they want to activate, um, they are building up a foundation for a building that could get put onto the board. And so timing is everything in this game. Because um, you you might go to a spot and then, okay, well, I definitely want to leverage that by getting to build up the building um, off of the citizens that both you and I place there. And I think it's absolutely brilliant. The idea that they start out as workers that just have this really cool triangulation thing. you know. But again, we've seen that before in Targi. This goes to the next level, that they stay out there, that they become the foundational building blocks of what we're actually here to do. It's freaking brilliant. I absolutely adore it. And I've said it before and I'll say it again, folks. Uh, designer Danny Garcia is... I mean, uh, he's up and coming. He's the next Fister. He's the next Feld as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and a big reason for that is just how amazing Barcelona is. It comes in at number five. Okay, back to you. Wow, those are some uh, big words from Richard. The, the next Fister, the next Stefan Feld. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to play this game. Barcelona, folks, is actually uh, in my living room right now. That's the game I'm learning this week. Uh, oh, man. great. Yeah, I. Yeah. you had me. Barcelona's at- in Spain. Ruel. That's right. It's not it's in your living room. Not my room. living room. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Chris. You had me at <laughs> Targi, Richard. That, you mentioned Targi. Yeah. I'm like all over it. But then leaving the workers there after the triangulation thing and also doing diagonals. Oh, it, this sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, Looks really good. Yeah, I cannot wait to play yeah. this one. Um, something about uh, Danny Garcia, too. I, I don't remember. I know the name. Actually, no. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. But anyways... Yeah, check it out, folks. You're thinking of Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo, that's right. Oh, my God. Also famed um, board game piece in yes. the homicide. Machete. <laughs> <laughs> Love Danny Trejo. Yeah, I-, I can talk about Danny Trejo all day, but we're not going to do that. We're here to talk about games, worker placement games in particular. Uh, let's bring it back to our guest, uh, Peter. We're going to go into our top four. You've got the number four, Peter. Okay, I've got the number four spot, but mark my words, this is the number one game that will be mentioned on this entire thing. Now, I love I'm not it. Yes. biased at all, but I helped develop this game, which I know is cheating, but I have to bring this game up because if not me, then who could do? Who could bring this game up? <laughs> it's Dwellings of Eldervale, and I already hinted at Luke Laurie having written these blogs about worker placement. And what did he do after he studied all that worker placement? His entire mission, we've talked about the designers on this show that are dedicated to, I'm going to do a twist. I'm going to turn this around. I could name any one of Luke Laurie's games. I could name Whistle Mountain. I could name Manhattan Project Energy Empire. His entire focus is worker placement. So what did he do in Dwellings? Well, one of the first things about Dwellings is that the pullback stage the return all your workers home actually has something to do. And it's even better than the actual worker placement. It's it's you come home and you get to activate and you have an amazing turn. That's first of all. Second of all, and this is not really like talked about as much, but it's a very tactical game is where you put your first worker because when you put your first worker, all your other workers have to go adjacent to that space. So you're kind of calling your shot on the board of where your worker placement spots are going to be. That is a really interesting choice to make. Every time you pull back, you can come back wherever you want on the board, but you got to think about where you're going to take future turns. And then on top of that, your workers are different. So now you've got a dragon that can fly too and a wizard that can teleport and, and a warrior that can just drop in on someone else's space. And so it's four different worker types. And then on top of that, You've got slotting, which is the um, mechanism where you can actually upgrade your cards and evolve them. So it's not like you're just grabbing, you're grabbing a worker placement spot that's like Troll's Feast that gets you something, but then you decide what it gets you by slotting a token into it. So you upgrade and evolve your spaces. It's just got, again, I totally understand that I'm biased, but um, (laughs) I will put it down. I will play that game anytime. I think it's got 16 factions. Of course, it goes back to variable player powers. That on top of all of those choices, there's just enough there to play that game over and over and over and never see that same exact mix. And the worker placement is so good. I will. I think it's innovative. And as a publisher, we I would put Andromeda's Edge on this list. I would have maybe made that my pick. But that's not published yet. So it's when we come a, yeah, back yeah. to this list, yeah, it's going to slam year. down, <laughs> and it's going to bust my number four pick out of out of the you know out of the place. 
and take it to outer space because Andromeda's Edge goes even further. <laughs> but I would still say Dwellings for right now is my most innovative game that I could think of. Very nice. Yeah. And, you know, now, speaking of Luke Laurie, I really enjoyed his game Cryo. And I, yeah. feel, I, I, I think that was, was that after Dwellings? I, I forget the timeline of that. But. So he, he actually, uh, he pitched Cryo to Z-Man before Dwellings. Okay. And Cryo actually uses slotting also. That's exactly, But Z-Man took yeah. a long time to publish it. And he said, I've got this slotting <laughs> mechanism that isn't being used yet. And I was like, well, and he's like, I think it'll make dwellings amazing. So let's put it in there. Yeah. I, I, cool. yeah. And that's exactly what I thought of was that slide. I love that. You know, like, as you said, Peter, bring your workers back. Cool. But now you get to do other stuff. I love, love, love. That's such a great mm-hmm. innovation. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke Laurie always, always um, got him on my radar. Like with that innovation, game. why, why ever play a, a boring pullback turn ever again? Right. right? Exactly. And, come yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just, you, you, it's fast paced. You got all, all the action all the time yeah and you got and you got hats that turn people into houses i mean <laughs> that's like the icing on the cake your little worker turns into a house <laughs> very nice okay excellent choice for number four we're getting down to our top three chris you've got number three uh okay so i feel i feel pretty good about this because I know I know Richard's going to love all three of my picks. He's approved of the other two, and there's no way that he can deny this one because I know it's in his top ten. The only thing – watch him say something like, ah, too basic. But you, you, anyway, it's Keyflower. Um, I wanted to put Keyflower on this list because I, I think – uh, what what is really innovative to me about this? It's kind of similar to Raiders in terms of like your workers don't belong to you. They do, but it, it is the color of worker that determines so much. And, and I, I, I've you have three different colors of workers. For those who haven't who haven't uh, played it, you have three different colors of workers, and you can use your workers to do two things. You either uh, bid on a tile, in which case those workers go away. Or you can put workers on a tile and do their action, like a standard worker placement game. However, whoever owns that tile at the end of the round gets those workers. And so you may want to use somebody else's uh, buildings and use their abilities, and it might be beneficial for you. But what you're giving them is more workers to spend on later turns. Uh, You also have to keep track of who has what color. You can have some sort of information about what people are holding on to. And so if I'm kind of keeping track and I'm like, okay, Peter's got a whole bunch of red meeples, but I don't think, I don't think he's picked up any yellow in like a long time. I can use a yellow meeple and bid on something that, that I know would be really beneficial for, for my opponent. And then they're stuck. And so it's, it's a really interesting battle of, of, juggling the difference of the colors, the amount of the different colors that you have, what it's worth to bid on them and then lose them, how you put how you put tiles into your own zone so that you can just drop workers on them again because they can be used more than once. You first put one meeple on them, then two meeples on them, and then three meeples on them, but again, they have to be that same color. And so the idea that you have a pool of meeples and they're just determined by color and where they're on the board. And I also think it's so innovative to... To, as an easy way of determining who's bidding on what, you can play up to six players because there are six sides of a tile. And you just put your workers <laughs> on one side of the tile to indicate, yeah, I'm bidding on this side. And anything on like the south side where I'm sitting at the table is where I'm bidding the workers. And so it's really easy to keep track of, surprisingly easy to keep track of, because you just need to draw a line to who's sitting where at the table. And then you know who's bidding on what. Uh, so I think those... Those moves, plus it being like a really solid game, uh, make it. I, I, I haven't seen I, when I was talking about Spirium. I was like, oh, I haven't seen anything that that where the where the workers go outside the thing. And lo and behold, I have two games <laughs> where the workers go outside the thing. Uh, so yeah, I guess I have seen it. But um, I think this does it in a, in a really interesting way of of again balancing the use of those workers and uh, what what they're used for. And, and I love. Like I love people coming over to my my town and putting stuff on my town because I know I'm going to get those workers to use later. So it's an awesome flow of a game, uh, but not key flow, but a key flower. <laughs> a key flower. How's that? <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, excellent choice. Um, I 
I would, I would, I thought for sure like Richard would have this on his list, but I'm sure yeah. you know he he talked about it, uh, or he will talk about it. Probably talked about it, or talked about it in a previous, in a previous list, list too. List, yeah, because yeah. I know how much yeah. he loves this one. Um, I do like that whole the the bidding thing, Chris. I think you're right on point with that. And funny thing is, yeah, you did pick another game where you don't put the workers on there. <laughs> I think we yeah, know what you like. I was Chris. like, well, screw you, it's so innovative. I'm like, oh well. <laughs> Uh, but other than those two, okay. Other than those two, I haven't seen it until I until someone brings up an example right now that I have on my collection. Exactly. But other than those three, uh, yeah. and folks in the comments, learn. drop all the uh, games that you know go uh, that yeah. Chris will have been used already. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on to our uh, number two, which I've got. Uh, this is, to me, it's an oldie but a goodie. Uh, this is such a solid mix of theme and mechanism. It had me at hello. Uh, this is Viticulture. Um, this oh, is yeah. the one that Richard's doing. I think this is the, probably the original edition. I'm specifically referencing Viticulture Essential Edition, which really you know cleaned things up. And for me, the one major innovation here is that large meeple. Yeah, everyone has their own meeples. You're, you ain't sharing them or nothing. You have your own crew of workers, but eventually you're going to either unlock or you'll start the game with a large meeple. And that large meeple prevents you from being blocked, right? And that's the main thing with a lot of worker placement games. You place a worker, no one else can go to that spot. But here in Viticulture, you have that large meeple. As long as you have it in play, or or as long as you haven't played it, you can bring it and place it and take that action. So you're never really blocked from something unless you've reused the large meeple or whatever. I think that one simple innovation really elevates this game. Uh, First of all, I love the theme. You know, it's just with Beth Sobel's art, I, you know, I may have gone to a winery or 10 in the past. I really enjoy, <laughs> you know, the, the whole experience of being a winery, uh, tasting wines and just being outdoors and enjoying it. And this really just really captures that feeling. And, you know, you're sending your workers out to literally, hey, go, you know, crush the grapes, go harvest, go, you know, plant and all the different things you need to do. And eventually you're going to produce wine, either reds, whites, blushes, champagne, or whatever. And you're going to fulfill orders and fulfilling orders gets you points and whatnot. And maybe some bonuses. I just, I love how this game, everything flows just perfectly in this game. And for me, it's probably one of the easier worker placement games to uh, explain because you can explain it thematically, right? It's like, hey, you have a vineyard. What do you do? You have to get some grapes. You have to plant them. Oh, you can't plant certain ones without irrigation or, you know, whatever. And then you go to the next step. You need to harvest them. You need to pull them out. Hey, you need to make wine. You're going to stop those grapes. And it's just everything flows so perfectly. And then it takes away that frustration of being blocked um, from certain moves with that one little or the big meeple, right? That uh, will save you yeah. at a bunch of spots in the game. It's my favorite, personal favorite worker placement game of all time. For gamers, uh, hardcore gamers, I always recommend adding in Tuscany, the Essential Edition Tuscany, because that really, I mean, talk about adding complex. I'm not complexity, but it definitely adds uh, more depth to the game um, without uh, making the game. Oh, I don't know what what is this uh, Pino? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Richard had a note there, and we're looking at the. I guess all oh, he wanted to uh, know how, how to pronounce, pronounce Pino. Pino. Okay, Pino Noir. Good, good job, Richard. <laughs> so yeah, if if you're a seasoned gamer, definitely pick up the Tuscany expansion. It really adds a lot, a lot of things, including specialty workers. Has like this little area control um, part of the board as well. Definitely play with that. But gamers, I mean, this is to me, it's my favorite worker placement game. That is our number two collectively, Viticulture. It's a great pick. You know, I almost want to say that the this was innovative in sort of its pacing, because because worker placement had and uh, you know we don't have a U uh, Rosenberg on here yet. I don't know if it's coming, but um, there's this frantic I have to feed everyone. And viticulture is like this relaxed. Let me make some wine. And it's just like it's so um, so great because there's not that same stress level in that. Absolutely, game, you know? yeah. Great point, Peter. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. You're you, you are you know work, worried about you know the end of each round. It's like, oh, I got to do this. No, you're just making the wine, and hopefully those you know the ongoing dividends will you know pay off. It. You don't you even. Go. I haven't played in a while, but you don't even have to make wine to win, right? Yeah, I that's mean, right. You can, there yeah, you there are plenty of ways to, to win without win. it, and even and when you add in Tuscany, there's even more ways to win without actually making wine. So yeah, there you go, friends. I love that. Yeah. I love that storeroom. It's like buy my uh, no, no buy, we'll talk. We'll, We'll talk about this wine that's coming eventually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my uh, my my friend who who I play games with a lot, who I describe as my board game soulmate, he was playing games with his cousin, and she she just destroyed him, not selling a single thing of wine. 
one. And he was so mad. He was so mad. He's like, what are you, what are you doing over there? You're just with your pathetic, I'm working hard in the field. And he just will go off on this tirade. And I love that you can do silly things like that yeah. in, uh, <laughs> in it where you don't even have to do wine. You don't even have to yeah, make wine to win the game. So much. I, so also, I also think, um, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong because I don't remember, but you're also picking your order, your turn order, right? I think that's also an interactive Yeah, yeah uh, that's thing right. There. Yeah, the, the wake-up row, right? Like, the you're wake-up place. track was yeah. really great. Yeah. Do I want to go yeah. fast? Do I want to get a fast placement? Or do I want to, like, sit back and have an extra worker, you know? That's right. And, I, yeah, each space that. is a different bonus, right? You could get a mm-hmm. worker. You could get a victory point. You can get cards or coins or whatever. Yeah, very. that's right. Yeah. Another... I love that, and I love the applications of that actually in the solo mode. I, I don't play yes. a lot of solo games. I've never played a solo, but I know I was like talking about the rules of the solo, and that you pick one of those each time. Yes, and so like you're choosing when to activate them, and then that also acts as like a round counter. I think is yeah. Uh, no, you're right, Chris. That yeah. it's always, yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah, love, yeah. love, love that. That's and that's great. actually uh, Viticulture is one of the solo games that really sold me. I mean, I was soloing Pandemic, of course, but really yeah. viticulture was the one it's like oh i really like this um with the automa deck uh that, that was like mm-hmm. the start yeah. of that um uh, uh solo system i think stonemeyer could be on the list for multiple reasons i think that they are also a big worker placement company and thus yeah pushing the envelope of worker placement a lot absolutely so. yeah for sure okay and let's... also the innovative the last thing the innovation of making rosé in the way true Italians do by just smashing white and red wine together. That's how it's done. Wait, is that true? Really? <laughs> no, I mean, it's not. It's not how it's done. But uh, <laughs> That's funny. love it. Certainly, right. how it's done in the game. Yes. <laughs> Let's see what Richard's got for us at number one. Oh, this list is good. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris and Rell, Keyflower and Viticulture, they both made my earlier list for good reason. I mean, Viticulture, to be fair, when it first was released, it wasn't quite so innovative with the worker placement. But yeah, over time, as it added stuff via expansions, yes, definitely, um, you know, really earns its place in the overall pantheon as a hugely influential and, inf- and um, innovative thing. And Keyflower, oh my gosh. I was surprised recently to find out, Chris, Keyflower makes yours and my personal top 10. I guess that's why I like you. I've, I I can't quit you, Chris. Anyway, though, Peter, I have to say, I mentioned this earlier, Cardboard Alchemy, let me just say how amazing it is. Um, between Dwellings of Eldervale and then Flamecraft and, and upcoming Critter Kitchen, you are really at the vanguard, uh, Mr. Vaughn, of reinvigorating, reevaluating, reimagining what worker placement is. And I love Dwellings of Eldervale, even if it's not quite the game for me, because there's a little bit of that in there that doesn't need to be there. But the idea that, hey, your workers in this game behave more like tiles in a tile laying game is so smart. I love it. Uh, anyway, though, uh, there can be only one, and I am the original R, so I am going to occupy the number one space with a game I'm just absolutely gaga for. What is it? It is Space Station Phoenix. Now, in this game, we are uh, building uh, new space stations to house aliens who are coming to visit humanity because we finally got our act together. I am a sucker for a game that has a positive view of humanity's future instead of dystopic view. So that always pulls me in. But that's not what makes this game special. Uh, we are, we already have little miniature builder satellites, which are represented by this grid, 3x3 three three grid of cards. Everybody has a unique grid of worker cards, and these are worker placement spots that I can send my workers to. But if I'm willing to give you a benefit, I could go to your worker placement spots in your grid of cards also. And, I mean, I like that, but this is not the first game where, hey, we've each got our own worker placement slots and we benefit each other if we kind of share in um, you know the action bounty that's available. What really makes this game stand out is I start with a 3x3 grid of worker placement spaces, as do you. It is hard getting resources into space to build a space station. Just about one of the hardest things humanity is doing, even in the future. And so uh, it, 
what you might often find yourself doing is, hey, rather than all the time and expense and effort and energy to bring more construction material up here so we can keep building this super space station, how about I disassemble one of the builder robot um, satellites that are already up here into its component parts so it can become resources? What does that? That's thematically what we're doing. Occasionally, we're using these satellites, these mini satellites, but other times we rip them apart for spare parts and plug them into our main space station we're trying to build. What does that mean? This is a worker placement game where the worker placement field is literally getting turned into salvage scrap throughout the game. And this is something I love. I love a deck building game where, hey, you put a lot of cards in your deck and it's awesome, but sooner or later you have to pull those cards out to score them. I love a uh, worker placement game like earlier ones on my list where, hey, I've got all my workers and eventually they do a lot of stuff, but eventually I have to sacrifice those workers uh, to be able to turn them into points at the end of the game. Here, we are literally ripping apart the worker placement board itself to... um, turn it into the resources we need to build. And then that's when the interplay between players gets really interesting. Because, yeah, you know what? I just need this right now. Yeah, I'm going to destroy this fabrication thing to get the resources I need for the step I want to do. Because I know you still got a fabrication space. And so now, for the rest of the game, until you rip yours apart, I have to use yours. And as soon as you see me rip mine apart, you're like, yes, he's going to be coming over to visit to me, and I'm going to be getting some nice passive benefits. I probably don't want to rip mine apart. Or do I? Uh, yo, So there, this idea of, um, you know, as part of setup, we create a unique to this game worker placement grid, but then throughout the game, we we literally scrap it for parts is so cool. And not for nothing, amazingly thematically grounded. I love that too, uh, which is why Space Station Phoenix had to take the number one spot. Okay, guys, what do you think? So, yeah, this is another game that I do not have, and I have had trouble finding a copy but now we know where a copy is. We're going to your house, Richard, to play this. Uh, this, <laughs> I, I this love that uh, what Richard described of, you know, you are going on using the worker placement spaces, but eventually you're going to trash those and salvage those. And I think that's really fascinating. I, I can't wait to uh, check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I like that that's thematic really cool. consonance that he's talking about when you have a game that the, that the mechanism fits. Like it, mm-hmm. that does make sense, right? You're tearing it apart in that particular theme. Seems great. Yeah, totally. Okay, yeah. folks, those are our top 12 innovative worker placement games. What'd you think? In the comments below, let us know what yours are. And I uh, want to thank uh, Peter for hanging out with us today. And don't forget, folks, Extended Edition. You're going to hear a bunch more games from Richard and all of us uh, in the Extended Edition. You can click on the links below. Want to, uh, one more time, thank Chris for being the co-host with the most folks and uh peter appreciate your co-host time who's at least here that's that's what i like <laughs> exactly that's, what I, that's how i describe myself uh before before we go yeah. uh, i i also want to give a shout out again to our sponsor of the of the episode crafting kingdoms yes uh we are recording this live on twitch and i saw them kind of drop in the chat when uh when we were reacting to their bags they're like hey maybe we could collab on a flame craft or critter ki- kitchen bag <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I saw those. I saw those little. I saw those little panels on the side, and now I'm just envisioning what would it take to get that. I I I just thought I'd drop that little tidbit in there. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe we'll talk about it more in the post show. I just thought (laughs) I'd bring it up as a wish list, a beautiful wish list to get the fans going and talking about it. Because think about it: if you had a board game bag with that sort of art on it, I don't know. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. It just it seems like maybe it was the perfect meld of guest and sponsor yes. and uh who knows who knows what'll happen i dig it yeah, yeah thanks for <laughs> all right so yeah. on that note folks uh thanks to crafty kings for sponsoring this episode of the r and r show until next time we'll see you later so long bye-bye <laughs>